good for now. If it happens, it happens. <laughs> All right, firing up footballers. We are live here. Coming at you from Chicago with Guillermo Rivera of The Athletic on the line. I also got Jeffrey on the line because he couldn't be here with us today. Uh, but he, Skyping in. We got everybody Skyping in, so hello. Sorry for the long wait. Sorry for the little delays there. So, you know how these what? things are. But here we are. My fault. <laughs> <laughs> so fire it up, footballers. Hopefully you guys can tell us about audio as things go along. Looks like we got people joining us. People could let us know about audio as we go along if there's ever an issue with audio. Hello, we got Jiggly, first in the stream. Sorry for the wait, everybody. We'll let everybody kind of file in here. We got a little uh, script of things to go off of, and of course all you guys had questions. Hello, hello, hello. I don't know if you guys could see the chat, Jeff or Guillermo. Uh, I got it. I got it, I got it. Uh, G all right, let's get rolling here, James. Where, uh, where are we starting? Uh, you got the script there. So, uh, so Guillermo. Yes, sir. Fantastic to have you on the podcast, man. It's, it is. It is a. Uh, by the way, everybody, if you could smash that like button for getting for having Guillermo taking the time to come on the podcast and ask everybody's questions and talk about the fire, please do so now or later. Whatever the heck is clever. Um, <laughs> I'm always weird about that. Jeffrey uh, and. So, Jeffrey and I were so happy to have you on. We were just wondering, how did you start covering the fire? Um, this is my 10th season covering the fire. Um, just kind of a little bit of a background short history lesson on Fire Confidential. and uh, Just to get to your answer here. Um, back in 2007, 2006, uh, this Tribune... Um, had a guy named Luis Arroyave working for them uh, as a, a sports writer, and he was the fire beat writer. I think he was the last um, full-time fire beat writer that was dedicated to uh, one of the major newspapers. Uh, Luis uh, was writing fire pieces regularly at the, at the Tribune, and he also was maintaining a blog called The Red Card, which was uh, very popular back in the in that time frame, because it was one of the very few outlets that, that provided full-time fire coverage in a way that um, I think you're used to seeing them, seeing sports teams covered, uh, you know, across the other major sports in Chicago, and it was refreshing to see uh, somebody giving that much uh, attention and uh, respect to soccer and the fire. What uh, happened Luis, to him? Uh, Luis... Um, uh, in 2007, 2008, I believe, stepped away from the sports writing gig to pursue uh, uh, a gig as the entertainment writer for the Tribune. Oh. Um, uh, when Luis stepped away, the Tribune decided that uh, they weren't going to pursue soccer on a full-time basis anymore. At least they weren't going to have a full-time beat writer. Um, so... Um, they essentially discontinued the red card blog. Um, the red card blog um, was alive and on life support for a while. Uh, but right around that same time, uh, the Tribune company uh, was just starting up the uh, Chicago Now blogging website. Uh, Sam Stachel, who's now the uh, MLSsoccer.com, uh, one of the national writers, 
um, was the original writer for Fire Confidential, who essentially took over the fire beat for uh, Luis Arriabe. Oh wow! We have actually we I've been talking with Sam. We might be coming on the podcast here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. But uh, Sam uh, Sam did uh, Fire Confidential for two years and then uh, left that to work for uh, MajorLeagueSoccer.com on the fire beat. Uh, when Sam left, following the 2009 season, um, I stepped in and started writing it. Uh, and I, I think my major uh, thinking behind it at that point was I didn't want the fire coverage to go away. At least I didn't want it to go away from an independent voice uh, that uh, you know wasn't out of the uh, out of the main office. MLSsoccer.com has uh, at that point was bringing on new writers and bringing on guys to cover teams all across the country. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't want uh, Fire Confidential to die away and wanted to at least maintain an independent voice and kind of give people a, uh, a uh, an avenue or at least a, a platform for fire information, whether it was, uh, uh, you know, anything that you would see typically uh, just about anywhere else for every other sport, whether it be player news, uh, news about uniforms, news about fans, news, anything across the board that was fire-related. Uh, so 2010, I started writing Fire Confidential, and um, that has led to this. Oh, wow. All right, that's awesome. Um, how do you how do you balance your work for the, with, the, uh, with the athletic and uh, the Fire Confidential? Do you still try to do both avenues? Yeah, well, my uh, the majority of my writing, 99.9% of it has been uh, at The Athletic now. Um, I joined The Athletic, um, I think, two years ago, and I was the first, actually the first soccer writer for The Athletic. I, they wanted, uh, they were obviously covering the other sports. Uh, I'd like to find out if there was a market for soccer, and I guess, uh, I guess they found out there was. Um, so, um, I didn't leave Fire Confidential completely. Um, obviously, uh, we still do game day items. We still do um, photo threads, and uh, Marty still does um, uh, match previews for Fire Confidential. But uh, uh, the majority of my stuff, I still, I'm still basically editing Fire Confidential. But the majority of my stuff is at the Athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why Jeffrey and I subscribed to The Athletic when you made that move over there. We were like, uh, if, uh, what was it, five bucks a month or something to get to get you in addition to like what else they had, which was actually kind of slim pickings at the time. And right now it's it's blossomed into something huge and really awesome. It, it, there's so many great articles. If you're a sports fan, I highly recommend checking out The Athletic, getting mm-hmm. a subscription to that. That's what Guillermo writes for. Also, we had Marty on the podcast last week. Uh, uh, Guillermo was just referencing him. Marty writes for Fire Confidential as well, and does this preview. So that that's awesome, and we and uh, we look forward to having him again on the podcast. But um, so Guillermo, uh, with when it comes to the, uh, I had a question about just being at the fire games, like these press conferences. Do you get to go to those with like a? Do you have a press pass? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, we. You, Got a press pass to get into press conferences. Um, you know, it, it's exactly what you would think it is. It's uh, the media um, shuttles down to uh, from the press box to uh, the uh, conference room that's right behind the uh, the bench and on the way to the players' locker room. Uh, we all file in, and after the game, uh, 
10 minutes or so, Panovic or uh, the opposing team coach will come in and uh, ask a few questions. And after that, uh, they uh, shutter us into, uh, shuttle us into the locker room to, uh, to talk to the players there. So it's, it's pretty much exactly what you see. Is, is, uh, is this your busiest time of the year, the preseason? Uh, I guess my question is, when are you at your busiest with uh, your reporting during the year? Uh, preseason, it, well, the busiest time of the year is during the season, when there are games and there are actual stories, when there are, um, you know, there are more things to talk about rather than just training and transfer rumors and what have you. Uh, the MLS offseason has evolved into something that's similar to the other sports in, in, in that it's always busy, there's always... Uh, either a draft season going on or transfer rumors to uh, to address. You know, obviously, um, transfer rumors generate a lot of interest, a lot of buzz, a lot of talk. So yeah, I think uh, to get that to the point uh, where it is like in other sports, or at least the volume of talk about transfers or trades um, is, is a good thing. I, whether or not uh, they're just rumors or uh, items that are floating out there, um, having people talk about the sport or talking about your league and talking about your team throughout the course of the year, including the offseason, is, uh, is a good thing. So I think you're starting to see that pick up with uh, the transfer windows and the, uh, the almost endless MLS draft season that leads into preseason. Um, you're starting to see that get busier now. But, uh, yeah, the regular season is definitely the busiest time of the year as far as what I write anyway because I have, you know, I have guys like uh, Sam and Paul who write uh, – Sam, who writes for MLSoccer.com, Paul uh, Tenorio, who writes for The Athletic, those guys are covering the league, so they've got a ton of work to do. I, I'm, I'm just focused on, on the fire uh, for the most part. I, I watch the rest of the league, I pay attention to the rest of the league, but uh, the majority of my writing is uh, Chicago-focused. Speaking of which, you know, you kind of focus on the fire. What is your favorite other team, if you have one? Uh, I don't really have another team that I follow as closely as the fire. I watch um, and I've used to watch a lot more of it. Um, having little kids uh, kind of <laughs> changes <laughs> things. Based on that time. But, uh, uh, I, I don't really have a, uh, a favorite team, so to speak. Uh, we have a question here on the chat. Do they, uh, Nelson Rodriguez, dictate what questions are asked and by who? Question by Margaret there, Guillermo. They do not. I, 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 you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I have never had uh, anyone from the fire come up and uh, um, tell us that we cannot ask a question in um, in the press conference. And actually, uh, there was only one instance where they shied, where they shed reporters away from asking about uh, the uh, fan absence in the stands last year. That was really the only time that. Uh, they want to, but they've asked, or uh, you know, they've never just said, "Okay, we want you to ask these questions. Don't ask these questions." Other than, uh, let's keep away from the fan issue and just ask, just talk about, uh, talk about the games. So, so, but they're not really telling you what to write about. But maybe you kind of have a sense of what to write about. Do you do you actually have to worry about maybe the fire threatening uh, to take away media credentials? <laughs> there, you know, um, I've never had a situation where they've told me you need to write about this or you want to write about that. And I, I've had uh, conversations with different, different people throughout the years that uh, uh, where they've indicated their unhappiness with something I've written. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think if you um, 
write objectively and uh, write fairly. Um, you're not going to run into a situation where, like you say, and I, I know a lot of people <laughs> um, like to speculate a lot about about a lot of things. But uh, uh, from my end, I, I'm not worried about any of that stuff. Uh, Gero, just I just want to throw you some some praise. Your writing is fantastic. Uh, I just just got to say that when I read your writing, I was I dabbled in writing myself a little bit, just you know, like for uh, some other outlets like uh, Hot Time in Old Town and some other outlets, uh, something that Jiggly writes for over in MLS Multiplex. And when I read your writing, I'm like, holy, I'm, I'm like, wow, this guy is so many tears of so many far many tears above me. It's it's ridiculous, and it, it's. It's awesome to read your stuff. And uh, Jiggly had this thought here. Uh, what? Uh, no, not Jiggly. Uh, so, Slow Days had. What are your thoughts about other press outlets like Hot Time or uh, MLS Multiplex or those other ones? Well, I, I know where they're coming from because they, you know it's uh, it's fan based writing. So uh, I, I I just I, I'm not I don't I never didn't consider myself a professional writer coming into it. Uh, I've always um, written different things and. Uh, I uh, was always fairly good at putting together a sentence. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've written different things in the past that were not sports related. So, um, writing was a was writing about the fire was sort of a uh, not a difficult transition for me. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's not as um, simple as it seems. I, I appreciate what all the what hot time does and what all the other outlets do. Uh, I have a question here for you, Guillermo. Um, you know, with the Chicago Fire, with a lot of our fan base, let's just say they're agitated right now. Um, do you feel like when you go into these press conferences that you have to ask some questions that, you know, the fans would ask? Do you? Uh, I hope that question makes sense. Do you feel like when you go into a press conference or you write an article that you are trying to, you know, represent what the fans are thinking at the time? Yeah, that's one of the angles that I wanted to take in actually starting Fire Confidential. I, I wanted to treat it as uh, sort of uh, sports radio in writing because uh, Fire Conversation didn't exist uh, and still probably still doesn't exist really on a consistent basis uh, as far as um, immediate interaction with uh, between uh, media, the team, and the fan base. You still have your blogs. You've got uh, Twitter now, where you can uh, provide <laughs> live, live, real-time interaction. But uh, you know, there, there's no real outlet like um, the Score for Bears fans or Cubs fans or White Sox fans. So, uh, soccer fans are still pretty much restricted to the internet in, in terms of uh, real-time talking about the game and. Uh, that's kind of what I wanted to provide. Kind of what I wanted to give uh, fans a place where they could go to get some of that, even if it wasn't a uh, a call-in show or uh, something in that nature. That, that's kind of why we started the show originally, and then we've evolved now into a live stream where we're taking these live questions and and finally get. We feel like we're getting some conversation. That's kind of the reason why we started because there nobody does talk about this stuff. I have a million questions here. Uh, that I gotta that I gotta get back to. Actually, I didn't finish slow, the question from Slow Days. He asked, "Was what about the thoughts about press outlets losing their press pass?" Um, you know, from my point of view, I think MLS needs all of the coverage they can get. The Fire obviously um, 
have uh, languished and languished in terms of uh, mainstream press coverage. So uh, you want to be professional and you want to do things correctly. Um, I, I can see where teams would want to ensure that uh, they're not bringing in. Uh, you, you still you don't want to go in and uh, um, I, how do I phrase this correctly? You, 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 <laughs> you don't want to go in and ask, uh, hey, why don't you fire this guy? Or, hey, you guys suck. That's not the kind of thing that you want. <laughs> Some sort <laughs> of tact to, is involved. Yeah, it's, uh, you, you have to keep uh, uh, some tact in dealing with uh, in professional organizations. At, at some point, these I mean, these are uh, it's entertainment for fans, but it's a livelihood for these guys. So that's true. Uh, there has to be some sort of uh, a medium between the two. That, that makes sense. I got another one. How do the players feel about the fan problems? Are they because it, it doesn't seem like they're really able to indicate it? But I don't know if you get any uh, hints behind the doors. Have they said anything personally off? Well, here's the thing. The person asks, have they said anything personally off the record? If it's off the record, Guillermo really can't comment about that stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you are correct. At some point that's how you keep uh, that, that trust. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the players know what's going on. Some of them aren't um, kind of miffed by it, but uh, their main job is to play. Mm-hmm. So that's where their focus is. Uh, yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, did anyone else assume Guillermo had an accent, or that was just me? Says Brandon Rafferty. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a question here for you, Guillermo. Um, what stadium is your favorite to go to in the MLS? Portland. 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 Okay. Portland's fantastic. It's a it's a great time in Portland. I heard they're changing their stadium. Yeah, they've they've, they've gone through revisions again, um, upgrades and. I think they've expanded um, capacity. I think, unfortunately, the Fires game this year is uh, on a weekday. Uh, but uh, if there's one place that I would suggest getting to, it's Portland. Oh, that sounds like a blast. That'd be a fun game. Um, Jiggly says, we never ask him about his himself. Margaret says she knows all she needs to know about Jiggly. <laughs> but, uh, but Jiggly also comments, Nelson has commented that he is never off the record. I don't know if that's actually true, but that, that would be funny uh marco batista with a question and any chance we see a post game live stream or twitter or other social media platform this season uh from us we usually do like post games and stuff um but not on twitter uh we'll usually just do it on this youtube pretty much this is our our only outlet Uh, i don't know about guillermo though uh that's something that i've kind of dabbled in in the past and it's possible for this coming season but uh yeah, there's some details I have to work through there that uh, I have to figure out how that would work, but it's, uh, it's a thought. I imagine you already got deadlines that you got to deal with, so I mean, that's like another thing to kind of like toss on there. Yeah, well, the athletic is pretty uh, flexible with deadlines as far as uh, what I ran on the fire, so mm-hmm. um, I, I don't always have a set deadlines like uh, some of the papers do, like Tribune or Daily Herald, some of those guys might have, or MLSsoccer.com might have. I have a pretty, uh, I have a pretty flexible uh, platform for what I write when I write it. Uh, Guillermo, have you have you watched? I, none of the preseason has been on live stream or on video. Have and they canceled you again. To look at um, how the Chicago Fire have looked this preseason thus far. Uh, I haven't seen in, uh, anything other than the 
some short videos that uh, I think you guys have probably seen. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen much of the game other than the first game, other than uh, that little uh, highlight package. So yeah, I haven't seen a whole lot of it yet. A uh, couple last questions before we really get into it here. Um, how does a journalist get wind of transfers ahead of time? Um, it's, um, well, there are, there are a couple of ways you, you establish over the course of time, uh, relationships with people that you trust and people that trust you. Um, so whether or not you reach out and, um, they're just ask, Hey, do you got anything, you have a hearing of it going on? Or sometimes, uh, the people that uh, you trust will reach out to you and say, Hey, I've got uh, something for you. It's, um, it's a little bit of both, but uh, it's all based on uh, trust with uh, whatever source you might have, and uh, that source is trust in you. Oh, okay. Um, Dago wants to get into business. Uh, uh, so everybody, if you could smash that like button for uh, Spitting Fire and, and for and Guillermo taking the time to come on the the show, smash that like for that like button for us, just to let us know that we're uh, doing some good work over here. And let's dig into this. Uh, Dago Camacho with the first question here that he wants to get into. He's saying, How, what impact do you think Joe Mansueto will have for the fire? Do you foresee him taking over the club sometime soon? I know Marty actually mentioned that there is a clause in the contract that uh, should activate or something like that. Uh, well, I think you're starting to see Mansueto's influence uh, now in, uh, on the field and off the field. Uh, you saw the... Uh, uh, fire on the mile store, which was uh, essentially uh, Mansueto's brainchild because he owns the building and thought, hey, let's, <laughs> let's put a fire store on the, on the Mag Mile. Um, I, I think he's brought an influx of cash uh, that uh, you'll start to see um, more benefit to the club. Uh, over the next um, how many, however many months you'll uh, that 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 it will take to start implementing some of this stuff. Uh, and you just mentioned the clause. When you go into a partnership, business partnership, um, there is uh, almost always a, a clause of that nature. Uh, I think the the clause that you're referring to here. Um, is he around, Guillermo? Is he is he in Toyota Park? Oh, yeah. Is he in the yeah, building? He's around. Yeah, I, I don't know that he's in uh, Toyota Park or uh, SeatGeek Stadium. SeatGeek, I'm sorry. Um, have have yeah. you tried to get an interview with him? Uh, I have tried, and I have not spoken to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Do you think he'll become more and more accessible or more and more visual throughout the next, you know, maybe a few seasons? I would hope so. Um, I would hope so. I mean, if, if uh, Andrew Hoffman's not going to be available and uh, um, no one above Nelson's going to speak to the media, I would uh, I would hope that uh, one of the two uh, owners would uh, make themselves available to speak to their fan base at some point. You know, the, the uh, option that you mentioned uh, is controlled by Andel, so it's not as if he can just say, um, <laughs> I'm going to buy out uh, uh, Andel and, and take over the team. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I would hope that uh, he becomes available at some point. He's a uh, no one has spoken to him since the uh, announcement that was made that uh, he was buying forty nine percent of the club, which is uh, odd. <laughs> but uh, we could assume that he is paying attention. Oh 
Oh, he's paying attention, yes. Well, I, I heard he was at the Mag Mile with his family, so it, that's nice that he was there meeting yeah, some and, fans. And, and, and Andrew Hoffman pays attention. I know people think that uh, he is uh, not interested or not invested in the club, but he does pay attention. That's good to hear. Um, uh, SA has a question here, uh, but let's get into. But right before we get into that, um, ESPN and the Fire, uh, the TV deal. Oh, that that went down last year. It seems like DC United uh, is going through something similar this year. Uh, what did you think about that? Um, for soccer fans who were going to buy uh, that package regardless, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, for five bucks a month, you get a ton of soccer. Absolutely, you get a ton of soccer all year. You get all the rest of the you get the rest of the league. You get uh, leagues across uh, the globe, and you get soccer pretty much whenever you want. So for five bucks a month, it's fantastic. That is true. Um, I mean, where it falls short is that you lose the um, visibility in the market that you really can't afford to lose. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times last year um, either a family member or a friend um, who knows that I do fire-related stuff asked, why aren't the fire on TV anymore? Are they not playing? <laughs> no, they're, they're on... Uh, an internet streaming service now. So I, I think they've uh, sort of um, cornered themselves into that um, hardcore soccer fan market. And I, I think at some point they'll have to revisit it if uh, if it continues on this way. It's, uh, I mean, it, it's great for soccer fans. I just, uh, it's not, uh, it's not easy. It's not uh, easily accessible for uh, your casual fan or people that you may not typically reach, um, who aren't looking for soccer on ESPN Plus. I mean, uh, I mean, Cubs fans, Sox fans were bound to run into it um, on CSN, so there was a visibility from that end. But yeah, was I, that the high water mark? Was CSN the high water mark for their TV deal? Uh, in terms of visibility, yeah, I can't think of uh, anything that's currently on air that would be um, more of a fit than CSN. But, you know, I, I know the thought is that uh, a relationship with ESPN, who's the uh, self-proclaimed worldwide leader in sports, would lead uh, fans of, you know, uh, other sports to stumble on MLS or stumble on the fire. But... Uh, and that to me is uh, would have been more likely uh, down the road with the league a little bit more established. A fire, at least. Uh, if, if it's like, let's just say they were coming off a successful decade rather than a uh, unsuccessful decade. I think that might have been an easier um, pill to swallow for fans who. Will the, will the local? Uh, will the local? You know the Bulls. The, the Blackhawks and the Cubs, with them getting their own local TV network or channel, whatever it is, how is that going to affect the Fires market, or will it at all? I don't know. It's yet to be seen. I know the Cubs are going to go off and do their own thing, and uh, CSN is going to be left to Reinsdorf te- Reinsdorf's teams and, uh, and the Blackhawks. So, well, if they got uh, Manny Machado, they might have something. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the Bulls? If the if the Bulls get Zion Williamson, there's another draw. 
Anyway, nobody's watching the Bulls. <laughs> no one's watching the Bulls. Uh, Jamesy, we got some more questions. Oh, we got here. loads of questions. Uh, uh, before we get into them, I was at, I was curious about radio, about why there's there's no English radio for the fire. There is Spanish radio on twelve hundred AM. I don't know if yeah. that's continuing. Uh, what's going? On? Do you know anything about either of those? Uh, I would imagine they'll be back on Spanish radio. Um, English radio has been a um, it's something that we've been talking about for the last decade. Um, it would seem that uh, that would be an avenue in which to uh, at least uh, generate a little bit more visibility, a little bit more interest. But uh, it's a hard sell because the market is saturated with sports here in Chicago. So um, the reason that they haven't um, come on to English radio is uh, that the sports radio stations here, the, the score in particular, <laughs> doesn't think there's a market for it. Right. Mm-hmm. It definitely seems that way. Uh, we got a whole bunch of questions from people that we got to get into. You're right, Jeffrey. Uh, from SAI, uh, any idea or insight behind the trialist from Atletico B? When will they release the full preseason squad list? The trialist, I think you're referring to Antonio Rodriguez, is not from Atletico B. He's a guest player. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that uh, we'll see a full trial list or full roster uh, release until they get back from Spain and uh, get into training in South Carolina. Um, I know there's a, a German guest player out there right now, but uh, they're guest players. I, I don't think they've been labeled as uh, out-and-out trialists yet, so... Um, I think until we uh, until they get back into the states, I don't think you're going to see a full update, try, updated trialist roster. A- any chance that's Phil Philip Lom coming out of retirement? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Philip Lom. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think is the biggest issue that needs to be addressed uh, in the for- in the fire organization? Uh, getting the first team back on track to a point where they can start to generate some interest and um, start to bring fans back to um, SeatGeek. <laughs> it's still strange to say SeatGeek. SeatGeek. But, uh, yeah, I, the first order of business has to be getting the first team back into some semblance of a consistent winner. Uh, you know, they, uh, there's a lot off the field that still needs to be addressed. They've got to be more visible in the market. They've got to um, uh, get the academy to the point where it's producing more players they've got to address uh their usl they've got to address their training facility at some point so uh but first and foremost they've they've got to get the first team back into a place where they are at least consistently respectable well i had the question tabbed later but you kind of asked you're talking about it right now do you foresee a future with for the fire in bridgeview or do you see them jettisoning out maybe out to chicago um I, I think for the foreseeable future there in Bridgeview, there's a possibility that at some point something happens where they may be able to buy their way out of that lease and they can get into Soldier Field until they find a uh, permanent home in Chicago. But I, I, I think for, for now, at least the immediate foreseeable future there in Bridgeview, um, I, I believe that uh, there will be a presence in Chicago in the form of a um, training facility at some point in the near future, but uh, for, for right now, it's uh, Bridgeview. Do you yeah, think the, that the Heineken 44 pitch 
is an adequate training facility? Not for the first team, no. Sorry, oh, Jeffrey, to cut you off. I think it's interesting. You look at what Northwestern has done and, and uh, DePaul has done downtown, uh, adding brand new facilities, and now they're more visible. And think about DePaul moved back into the city after being in what Allstate Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question to you, Guillermo, is um, do you think it's – you alluded to earlier, Chicago being a saturated sports market. Is it as simple as – you know, build a winning team and they will come? Or do they need that Polish international? Do they need uh, a Mexican international to draw a crowd here? I mean, those guys will help. Blanco helped. Peter Novak helped. I mean, but those those were good teams. Mm-hmm. Those were winning teams, and those were teams that drew interest. Uh, that That's really the key. I, I, I think, uh, and I, Nelson's uh, mentioned it in the past that... Uh, he may be more concerned with finding good players than Mexican players or Polish players per se, and that's probably the right um, the way to look at it. I don't know that you want to just say we need to go out and get a Mexican player, but uh, they they have to address getting the first team at least back on um, good footing because they haven't been there for, for a what while. About- what about the fan experience, Guillermo? I mean, you, I was watching the Super Bowl, and you'll see this Atlanta stadium is just beautiful, and you see what Minnesota's building. Affordable and, concessions. You know, it's just, how, how do you feel about the, the fan experience as a Chicago Fire fan? I mean, it, 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 you know, it doesn't seem like that wow factor is there that, you know, a lot of these newer clubs, you know, are, are bringing in. No, but, uh, again, these newer clubs have that advantage of being a newer club. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's two years into it, and obviously um, they've done everything right so far. Um, but they've got a uh, big, beautiful stadium, and uh, the advantage of an owner who's willing to spend just about anything to make them um, a you know, top-flight team in the league. So, um, yeah, I mean it's easy to look to look at the new teams and say, "Hey, why can't we do that?" But uh, you know, you look at. Uh, um, some of these teams that are uh, part of that original crew and the fire weren't part of the 96 um, league when they started up, but uh, that crop of the first 10 teams in the league, um, some of them have struggled. You look at the Revolution, who have struggled for a whole <laughs> a yep. variety of reasons, uh, yep, Colorado, yep. Colorado's and you know, Houston's and Houston used to be San Jose, which is now Houston. But look, look at the uh, the teams that are part of that original core, uh, and some of the um, original batch of soccer-specific stadiums. Miami Fusion. Yeah, yeah Miami Fusion. You look at, uh, for example, the White Sox in Comiskey Park. Yep. Um, they have trouble drawing, and they have trouble uh, really um, getting people attached to that park. But they have the most. Bet they have the best deal in the city of Chicago apparently because like city of Chicago is basically paying for the stadium they get it for dirt cheap so they could kind of yep. afford to run at a loss but I don't know if the fire in that position. No, they're not. But you know, but even Comiskey Park, uh, it was a one of the cookie cutter stadiums before everybody got into the you know retro baseball stadiums that uh, people seem to have loved over the last <laughs> thirty years or so. And the same thing uh, kind of happened with uh, Toyota Park and Ridgeview. Uh, Bridgeview was the only offer at the time. They, I mean, they, they weren't going to get, um, they weren't going to get anywhere near the deal they got in the city of Chicago. Uh, 
city didn't want soccer at the time in the city, so they were, there was no interest. They went to Bridgeview. The MLS was pushing for uh, everyone to get soccer-specific soccer stadiums, or at least uh, in the pipeline. Bridgeview came up with an offer where they said, hey, we'll build it for you. And that was the only real offer they had, so they took it. And now you got teams like New York and Atlanta playing, New York playing in a baseball field, New York NYCFC. I think they want to get out of there. And Atlanta playing in a football field. But speaking about Atlanta, they just sold Elmiron for $26 million to Newcastle, and their coach, Tata Martinez, is now the coach of Mexico. Uh, what's, uh, and they brought in Frank DeBoer. What do, you, do you have any expectations for them, the champions? I mean, that's still a good team, um, and we haven't seen what they look like with DeBoer. You're going, obviously, from Martino to possibly a different style of play. Um, they won't have Almiron, but they'll have Martinez. I believe he was the coach of Ajax for a while, too, of the Ajax youth setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting a different, uh, possibly a completely different style of play from DeBoer. So. Both, are, both had Barcelona in their backgrounds, though. It's, you still need players, and most of that team is still there, so they're, they're still going to be good. Uh, any thoughts about Pity Martinez? Um, I, I don't want to say he'll make people forget about Almiron, but uh, that is a guy who will still be a force in MLS. He's going to be a player in MLS. Uh, Joseph Martinez signed that five-year deal. I thought that was really impressive of them to do. Uh, what did you think about that? Yeah, it's surprising that, uh, and then obviously they can still sell them, but uh, that's sort of, um, you're starting to see the tired sort of uh, refrain about MLS being a retirement league and uh, the old guys go there for an old payday. You're starting, starting to see some of that um, really start to be an irrele irrelevant uh, discussion with guys like my, uh, Jose Mar Joseph Martinez sticking around and being in uh, BT, um, some of the other players. Now you're, you're look, I think this is one of the topics you want to talk about. The MLS now sort of being a selling league, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It seems like we we may have seen the evolution of MLS 3.0 to 4.0 in this last transfer window with selling players for 26 million. Pulisic going for 70 million. Luciano Costa, right? That rumor was out there. Uh, and with, uh, what was it, X-Fire player uh, Harrison uh, was picked up for $5 million for Man City. Uh, what was it? Uh, the, Polster. The, the Polsters with Celtic, Gutman. We'll get into that. But uh, um, Alfonso Davies with here. Bayern for a $12 million or something like that. So, I mean, like, MLS yeah. is certainly entering a new world. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not a bad world to enter if it. Being a selling league is not a bad thing. It, it allows, allows you to uh, put more resources into the league, put more resources into your team, and it starts to draw more respect to the players who are playing in your league. You, know, you see somebody like Arnold Palmer, you don't sell for $26 million. You, you might stumble into looking at someone else you want to buy while you're looking at Almir on. So, uh, again, it adds to visibility, adds to credibility. Um, it's, a, it's another step up in the evolution of the league. I think you'll start to see um, more of that, hopefully. Do you think we'll see a fourth DP? Doesn't sound like it. Um, the CBA negotiations are going to be interesting. I uh, guess there's a whole host of messy items that the, that the players' union really needs to stand by this time. 
uh, now that the league is starting to make a turn in uh, finances and sponsors and selling players and uh, spending money. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that there's going to be a fourth DP. There was some talk this past winter about actually <laughs> getting rid of a DP. I would like to see all of the ridiculous TAM rules go away and just uh, go with a uh, sort of a soft cap that um, will uh, weed out some of the owners who don't want to spend the money and will have to get out. But, uh, yeah, it's, the players' union really needs to stand by um, all of their issues uh, this coming winter. Uh, going back to our chat here, um, have you heard anything about the fire in the academy? People have been saying fire wanting to close their academy to save money. Uh, yeah, and um, I, the way I've heard that described is more of a restructuring of the academy. I don't know that it would go away completely. I think there's been um, some thought about uh, looking at different ways to monetize the academy. And uh, that's something I'll uh, cover somewhere down the line. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think the uh, there's a group of owners in MLS who um, don't want to put as much money into their academies as some of the other clubs do. And that's another issue that really needs to be uh, addressed between the league, the owners, the players. Um, it's, uh, it's something that has to be addressed. Uh, so what happened to the Martin Ojeda deal? Uh, would think we'd still be able to fit him into the team, says SAI. Uh, Martin Ojeda was a guy that they had interest in. I think that went away as they got closer to landing Frankowski. Uh, there were some numbers floated out there and uh, uh, that I've been told weren't accurate. There was some thought about uh, the fire not pursuing Ojeda because of an international spot. Uh, shortage, which was not true. Um, I, I think he's a player that they legitimately looked at, but uh, I, I think they probably felt that Frankowski was a better option for him. Uh, uh, this, I think you kind of talked about this earlier. Uh, it says, NR and Pano aside, why aren't Hotman and Mansueto involved in the media roundtable discussions more often? I don't know. I would love that to be the case. Uh, there was a rumor about mid-season last year that was brought back up again recently. Said something about Jiggly, blah, blah, blah. That was a while ago. I'm sorry, Jigs. Um, what is next? I, I got one here, James. Okay. Um, I got one here. Other than Georgie, who do you think is the, who do you think one of the most promising youth players? Oh, other than Georgie, who do you think the most promising players are? Sorry, Donald. <laughs> Uh, on the Fire Academy? Yeah, uh, the, I guess in general. It could be Compost, any of those young players. Who do you think is the next young, young up-and-coming star in the Fire, if there is one? Um, if it's Georgie, even. Yeah, well, Georgie is uh, obviously... In the, it's, it's easy for people to start overhyping him and uh, sort of oversell Georgie. He's a good player. Uh, he still needs to get better. I think he's going to be forced into that number 10 spot. Uh, because they don't have a number 10. Uh, but I still don't see him as your prototypical number 10. I mean, you know, when I say number 10, I think of uh, somebody who's playing behind the striker in front of the midfielders and who's creating and taking uh, defenders on off the dribble. Uh, 
uh, spraying passes across the field and setting up uh, setting up attackers for chances. Um, I don't think he's that type of player. He's more of a type of guy who uh, will be successful in the flow of the game. I think the way that uh, uh, Berhalter is using him with the uh, U.S. national team in those two games as uh, as a sort of dual number 10, as he described it, um, is probably where he's going to succeed. I think he came up through the academy playing more as a, a central attacker or a box-to-box midfielder. Um, I think that's where he's best, um, but uh, I, I think he can play as a 10 in a system. I don't know that you can expect him to sit in the middle of, in the, middle of the field and uh, run your offense for you. Do you have any other info on Georgie, like about his bio, his background, uh, his previous coach, Larry Sunderland? Yeah, well, he came up uh, through the Fire Academy. I think he joined the Academy in 2013, so... He came up through the uh, previous academy regime. Um, I know Ponovich um, played a big part in making in uh, the fire making the decision to uh, bring him up uh, into the first team as a homegrown rather than uh, go to North Carolina where he had committed to. Uh, it, I, I think Pono uh, showed to come some commitment to him and um, really thought that. Uh, he could come along with the first team and that sort of convinced him to, um, you know, forego college and come to the fire. So, um, he, uh, I believe he came up through, uh, his dad's soccer academy up in the Northwest Burg, but, uh, he's, he's been in the fire organization since 2013, 2014, I believe. Are there any, uh, other, uh, young up and coming, Academy players like what's the name James? You always saw there, Damian Loss or something. Damian Loss is the guy I was just going to mention. At some point, he'll be a homegrown. For sure, we're not. He's not going to leave us like the rest do. <laughs> They'll make an offer. Put it that. I don't know. I can't say that he'll. <laughs> They'll make, they make an offer. We're scarred. We're uh, scarred. Any more chances for uh, for some U.S. men's national team caps for Georgie? I I think he'll definitely uh, be considered for the gold cup. That's awesome. Based, based on what he's done uh, in this January camp, um, I think he'll definitely get some consideration. Do you think he's going to be sold soon to Europe? Um, well, let's not get our head of ourselves. I think eventually he would like to play it in Europe for everything I've heard, and that's his, uh, his ultimate goal. And I think that's probably the ultimate goal of just about every kid who's um, you know, coming up through the academy system and through high schools and you want to play with the best and you want to play against the best. So I don't think that anybody should begrudge a player for wanting to play in Europe. Um, I've, I've heard rumblings that uh, there are going to be some opportunities and some. Oh, just already. So for who can you repeat uh, that? Gamer? We lost you for a second there. What's that? Can yeah. you repeat that name? We lost you for a second there. Yeah, that's, that's Georgie. I've heard that uh, there have been, team's interested already and um, he's got interest in uh, at some point playing at, the, at a higher level but you know, let's not get our hair ourselves he's, he's 20 years old he's got uh, two caps under his, under his belt and uh, he was, was hurt for a year so he still has some growing to do and he still has to uh, perform on the field in order to get uh, you know that interest in their, into, uh, into an offer but uh, uh, if he continues to 
develop, I, I would suspect that at some point, uh, if it's not this summer, that next winter he will have uh, European interests somewhere. Uh, speaking of people jetted leaving, the uh, fire players leaving for Europe, uh, Gutman and Polster. Uh, Polster go over to Rangers and Gutman over to Celtics. Any uh, information about what happened and went down there? Uh, well, they tried to keep Polster. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, and again, you can't fault players for wanting to play um, in some of the uh, European leagues. You know, I, I don't know that the Scottish Premier League is any better in quality than MLS. And from what I've seen, <laughs> I don't think it is. But um, you, there are you know, Celtic and Rangers are um, two teams that if you're going to play in the Scottish Premier League, those are the two you're going to want to play at. So um, we'll see. I mean, Polster's got, I think, a two-and-a-half-year deal there. So he's going to have a chance to play. And uh, George uh, seems to like him. So we'll see again you can't begrudge begrudge players for taking a shot uh he took a shot and we'll see how it goes for him um you know goodman uh there is a bit of a backstory there and uh, some of that's come out over the weekend i think uh, the athletic is working on um a more detailed goodman uh story so uh i will tease that and i'll I'll subscribe to the athletic people (laughs) um i have a question for you Guillermo, um, I want to talk about Pano a little bit. Um, do you think Pano can become a premier coach in the MLS? Um, you know, I, I think uh, Pano has uh, made some strides from his first year. You're always going to have issues. Uh, the fans are always going to have issues with coaches as far as, uh, you know, team selection, lineup, tactics. Um but again, you need players to make that happen. Um, the first year uh, he was here, um, I don't know if there's a, whole, there's a whole lot that can be learned <laughs> from that first year. Um, you know, the second year, uh, I'll be right back, boys. Obviously, better with Ashley uh, Schweinsteiger and McCarty. Um, and the one thing I, I think he's needs to improve on, and you saw some of that improvement last year, was man management. Uh, I think Panovich can be a successful coach in MLS, but again, you've you, you got to have players. Uh, I think there's one thing that if there was a criticism is that the, the Fire don't really have a style or established uh, way that they play. Over three years, they're still you know, mixing and matching and trying to figure out exactly who they are. That, that some of the older players that they've got uh, as part, part of their core now, with Nikolic, Schwinster, McCarty, um, are quality pieces without a real um, set system. Well, exactly. exactly. So, um, do you, Gamma, how do you feel about you know him playing Brandon Vincent at center back, playing Schwein Sanger at center back, and not giving times to guys like Grant Lillard, uh, Campbell? Um, you know, and kind of playing people out of position and almost, you know, stunting their development a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's valid criticism. My friends and Vincent, um, obviously not, not a center back. Uh, you know, Grant Lillard, I think they just kind of lost um, confidence in Grant Lillard. Uh, he also had some injuries last year, which kept him off the field. So, um, you know, whether or not uh, uh, you think Jonathan Campbell is a... Um, 
starting MLS center back. Uh, I think at some point he should have played more than he that he did last year. But you know, those are those are decisions that are valid that, that uh, are valid criticisms. Uh, you know, Bastian Schweinsteiger uh, <laughs> essentially forced himself into uh, the uh, into the back line because uh, the back line was so bad. So. How, how does that dynamic work? What is that relationship between Ponovic and Schweinsteiger? It seems like the relationship is pretty good. I mean, uh, it's, it's Bastian Schweinsteiger. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you can call the, some shots. <laughs> yeah, you can call some You've got one of the uh, best midfielders in the world over the last two decades for the most part. Um, so, you know, if he says he wants to drop back and play center back, then... That's what happens when you don't have center backs. But do you think he's going to play center back this season? Even because he said it. Not. Yeah, I would certainly hope not. I, like I said, you've got one of the best midfielders in in the world over the last twenty years. I know he's getting older, um, and uh, he's got uh, some miles on his legs, and uh, he's not quite as uh, agile as he once was. But uh, the reality is, he's just not uh, that good of a center back. Uh, we got a zillion questions from people we got to catch up on. But real quick, Giovinco sold. What happened? Uh, it seems like he wanted more money, and Toronto wasn't looking to give him more money in extension, so they sold. Do you think that's going to be <laughs> devastating for t- Toronto? I mean, it, de- it depends on who they bring in. Um, I-, I don't know that Toronto is going to be as freewheeling with the cash as they have been in the last four or five years, but... If they bring in um, another high-impact player to replace Jovinko, who last year, I think, struggled a little bit. Um, we'll see. I mean, at, at this point, you you make the sale and you move on. Uh, that's, kind of, uh, that's kind of the way world soccer works. So uh, I, uh, depending on who uh, Toronto plays replaces him with, We'll see. I mean, they, uh, TFC went into Champions League last year, and I think uh, getting to that final took a lot out of them, and they, they never quite rebounded had they had a bunch of injuries as well. So uh, we'll see. Jury's out on TFC and the Giovinco. We'll see. All right, we got a lo- zillion questions we got to get back into from the comments. SAI, loanee players going down to USL teams like Indy and Tulsa have never been stable during their loan. Seems like loaned players uh, get loaned, then come back to the first team days after. Why is that? Well, last year, um, they had depth issues, had guys injured, um, so they didn't really have the players to loan. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a problem when you, you've got the affiliates and you don't have uh, playing time for young guys because they've got to... Um, stay with the first team um, just to get the full uh, side out there in training. So I, I think at some point um, I would like to see MLS uh, enforce that all of their teams uh, have USL affiliates or at least uh, a full uh, second division side uh, just for that reason to have uh, players that you can call on if you need to fill out your roster, if you can have trouble filling out uh, a practice side, um, I think it's something the fire will reconsider here at some point in the near future. But yeah, that's uh, you know getting guys on loan and then not playing them is a problem. Is that what happened with Bacaro? 
Um, well, Baccaro just uh, wasn't very very good. Wasn't very good, you don't think? Don't no. tell Jiggly that. <laughs> uh, yeah. de- uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Yeah, Gio. I think that was part of the problem. He, he did very well in his first few weeks in camp uh, last year, and they just uh, didn't perform. Uh, I know he had some chances, and uh, he wasn't actually played in the position that uh, he was familiar with uh, every time he got a chance to play. But uh, I, you, you've got to take advantage of it while you've got him, and uh, he, he wasn't very good either when he got the chance. Tell Greco questions, James. Uh, ask it. Uh, well, yeah, that's all. That's at the bottom of the list. Any updates on the so-called brand refresh? Um, no, I haven't heard a lot about the brand refresh. To be honest with you, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure what their marketing plan is for this year, and uh, I don't know that they've gotten too far along with the brand refresh because they just announced uh, Motorola as uh, the jersey sponsor. So. Uh, getting the jersey sponsorship done and getting uh, Motorola on as a, one of the primary sponsors may uh, play a little bit of a part in setting that back just a little bit. But I'm not sure exactly what their intentions are with the brand refresh. Uh, Dago commenting about having to come back from Spain to uh, the, uh, the the fields of Chicago <laughs> to their uh, to their playing field. Uh, I don't know, but his real question was: any idea of who the two center backs that Nelson was referring to? Any news on these or other potential signings? Uh, as far as I understand, they were hoping to get at least one of those guys done by the end of January, depending on what happened with uh, different moves in the European transfer window. So I believe that the two that uh, Nelson was referring to um, are going to be difficult to get at this point. I'm not sure if one of those was Moreno or not, because there was some serious interest in him this past summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they rekindled that this winter, but uh, I, I don't know how they would get that done um, with their DP and uh, uh, discretionary TAM sort of tied up. Uh, the other center back, I believe, was a Serbian center back, but uh, I, Milos Kostinovic, that someone posted. That may be. Um, but uh, yeah, I think with the window closed, it's going to be harder to get uh, some of those bigger guys done because um, the teams that uh, sell them are going to have to replace them with someone. And that's not to say they won't get something done. It's just maybe a little harder than that. I'm going to jump in here. Sorry, Jeffrey. Uh, everyone's asking for it. Guillermo, what the heck was going on with that Del Greco signing? Uh, well... <laughs> I think they took a flyer on a guy who was inexpensive, and um, he was not very good. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Other than Georgie, who do you think the most promising players are on the fire at current? On uh, the first-team roster? Um, I like what Brent Bronico did uh, last year as uh, sort of that um, swing midfielder when they needed a... Uh, uh, sort of a playmaker. Um, what do you uh, think about Campos? I, I like I, I like Campos, Diego Campos, but uh, not so much as a uh, right back, but more of as a uh, midfielder. Well, <laughs> hit, who starts, him or Christian Martinez? Uh, I, Either. I, yeah, I yeah, I, I don't think either one's a right back, but uh, <laughs> no, for for like a winger. Neither. Well, I don't think either one of them. I don't think either one of them will be a starter as a winger. Probably backup wingers. I was thinking. 
Yeah, I think either both of those guys are nice uh, MLS um, squad players. I don't know that either one of them is going to be a star. I think Diego Campos has got a place as a uh, squad player, but uh, uh, and he's shown that he can help them on set pieces. He's shown he can. Uh, he's versatile enough to play uh, right back in a pinch. So he's got a, he's got room on the roster. He's got a place on the roster. I just don't know if it's a starter. Uh, do you think the Fire are going after anyone of note at the moment? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's always conversations, but uh, I don't know that there's anything close to anything, at least for anyone of note at this point. Uh, Jiggly says, don't speak his name. <laughs> We're talking about uh, Also says, Georgie's dad is a big deal. <laughs> yeah, Georgie's dad is big in... Uh, Chicago land soccer scene. Oh, really? Yeah, he uh, he ran a successful uh, academy up north, and uh, uh, he is uh, you you'll see him around to Port Arthur Geek Stadium uh, every now and then. Georgie's uh, Georgie's dad is a big guy. He's a big uh, big shooter in Illinois soccer. That's awesome. Uh, any are buyback uh, are buyback clauses a thing in MLS? Are buyback clauses a thing in MLS? Yeah, uh, I guess like, you know, maybe a player getting sold from Salah, getting sold to somewhere, and then getting a buyback clause from Chelsea or something like that. Uh, I, I, I've i seen sell-on clauses. I don't know that anything has been ever uh, substantial, but uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would... Uh, no. Trigger a buyback clause. Maybe, maybe the closest they got are those rights claiming issues. Yeah, I would love to see that go away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dago says, "Ask Donald's question." I did. Um, are there going to be any 76ers process jerseys being brought this year? What? 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 Are there going to be any yeah, 76ers process jerseys bought this oh, year? Oh, the process. That was their phrase. Oh, the, the process. process. Was uh, the Sixers? Um, I got a question while, while I got Guillermo here. Um, Guillermo, so everyone's really excited about this new attacking six, um, but I want to talk about really the two biggest additions. Um, do you think Frankowski and uh, Marcelo are going to be big additions this year? Uh, Marcelo's got the resume to be a big addition. I, you know, we haven't seen him play yet. Same thing with uh, Frankowski. Um, uh, he's a guy that... Uh, uh, is a younger player, which is a good thing that they bought after a, a player who's uh, uh, up and coming and has a, a future ahead of him is on his national team's radar. Um, again, we haven't seen a whole lot of them, so it's difficult to say just how good uh, either one of those guys are going to be. And we're going to have to wait until we see them in person to really uh, develop a uh, much of an opinion on them, but uh, you know, they've, they've scouted them and they've looked at them in person. They've seen a lot more of them than we had them, so um, I think uh, we've got uh, their evaluation to go off at this point, and that's uh, uh, pretty much what we got. Uh, what did you think of the ultimate snub uh, by the fire by Michael Harrington in his retirement address? <laughs> I, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into Michael Harrington. No, um, uh, Marty with the comment. Where does Del Greco end up next? <laughs> uh, Back in the Argentine third division, I would imagine. Uh, or yeah, possibly if he's lucky. Uh, Nicole Hack uh, asking, do we know if it's true that Basti requested that Pano play him at center back? Uh, 
Uh, I, I, I don't think Basti would have ended up at center back without having some say in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, has Nelson been uh, Nelson Rodriguez been active within MLS trade talks? Or I imagine you might not know anything about that, or you might have to keep that hush hush. <laughs> no, I, he's he's pretty active in, in talks with the rest of the league, from what I understand. Mm. Um, uh, Don asking a question. I don't know about this one, but uh, who are the worst players in Fire history? Oh, jeez. Oh boy. People love throwing our shaky in out there. Ah, uh, he's in the team picture. <laughs> I, I let's go with him. I'd have to think let's, about that. Um, I got a question here for you. You know, what are your thoughts on? I know this is old news now, but what are your thoughts on the the departures of Drew Connor, Campbell, and you know players you know that probably could have you know a role on this club, whether that's a sub or you know a reserve player. Yeah, Jonathan Campbell in particular I thought was an odd move uh, considering that they are so short at center back and uh, don't have a lot of depth back there. I, I think Jonathan Campbell can be a, a pretty successful MLS squad player and a, a spot starter as a center back. Um, and Drew Connor is kind of that uh, in-between player where he may not be an MLS player, may be a good USL player, but it's kind of a guy that uh, didn't get a whole lot of a chance or a whole lot of chance to play it looked okay in some spots um, yeah I'm more surprised that uh, Campbell uh, wasn't given a little more consideration than uh, the Connor to be honest with you are we going to see more out of Lillard this season or do you not expect him to make the jump uh, I would expect Lillard, Lillard to get a lot of playing time at Indy 11 this year mm-hmm. okay very interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got a couple shouts for bad players. Uh, DePrado, Tiam, Spiteri, Capano, Neri Castillo. Um, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But, oh, we got a good question here from Batista. Well, a question with Cap. From Marco. Did Frankowski uh, oversell himself and, uh, and MLS when he mentioned that he aims to prove that this league isn't a retirement league? I don't think that's overselling anything. That's, I, I think that's accurate. I, I don't think it is a retirement league anymore. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, 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 I'm going to ask about Kapilhoff here, but real quick, Michael DeLeuve, uh, anything that happened there? Did something happen that he took a cheaper deal in the Netherlands? Yeah, I am not sure. I mean, I, I, they wanted to bring DeLeuve back, and uh, I think he was a very important player in that locker room. He was... Uh, guy who was uh, very vocal. He was a guy that stood up for uh, his teammates on the field. Um, you know, whenever there was a, uh, I don't want to say a cheap shot, but if there was ever a, uh, a little bit of retaliation that had to be had on the field, it was usually to leave in the middle of it. Um, I think if you look at some of the uh, development that uh, uh, Mihalovich went through uh, while he was injured, and his road to recovery, um, I think a lot of that you can attribute to Delu. They spent a lot of time together, a lot of time uh, rehabbing. I, they, at one point, uh, I spoke to Georgie, and uh, as he was closer to returning last summer, and he uh, <laughs> jokingly referred to Delu as his dad. So <laughs> I, I think you're, you're going to see um, that um, Delu is going to be missed uh, on and off the field now. Uh, it was unfortunate they didn't have him on the field last year because I thought uh, a lot of what he did in 2017 uh, went uh, underappreciated 
toward how successful that team was. Uh, and they missed him last year. Uh, he was uh, he was pretty good when he came back last year. Same thing with Georgie after the in, uh, injury. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure why he would take uh, unless he just wanted to go back home, which is always a possibility. Uh, yeah, I, kind of kind of sad to see Delugo go. He was a quality guy. Uh, another Dutch uh, counterpart here from question from SAI. What specifically happened with the cap re-signing? Rumors went around that he didn't want to come back to Chicago, but then re-signs. More money involved? Question mark. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what uh, his uh, compensation package is yet. Um, I, I think Kapelhoff wanted to come back to MLS. Um, I, 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 I don't know that they had any preference whether it was in Chicago or somewhere in, within MLS. It sounded like he had some uh, opportunities um, back home as well. Um, from what I've heard, it seems that uh, um, he was open to coming back to MLS, wherever it would have been, whether it was Chicago or anywhere else. Um, another question. Do you think the fire will seriously pursue Memo Ochoa? Have you heard any strong comments about it? He will be on the on the free like the fire likes it this summer. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, there has been some interest in Memo Ochoa, but uh, I don't know that that's anything more than investigative uh, um, inquiry. Uh, to, uh, to me, Memo Ochoa would be a guy that uh, would fit the perfect bill for uh, a goalkeeper coming into MLS, and he would cer certainly be uh, a good fit here, but uh, I'm not sure how that goes down with uh, now Ustead uh, being added as uh, the apparent starting goalkeeper. Can we ever get Chicharito here, Guillermo? No. <laughs> no? Oh. I, no. I, 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 that's another guy who I, at some point, I believe will be in MLS. Uh, but I, 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 LA? LAFC? You'll, LA you'll see him in LAFC, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, international slot shortage issue. Uh, what's going to happen with, with that? Uh, no, I, I asked Nelson about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he did not seem concerned about it. I mean, uh, you can always loan out uh, you know, Collier and uh, Adams, and uh, from what I understand, Campos is closer to getting a green card. So uh, that opens up three spots. Um, they don't seem real concerned about it. They can always uh, buy another spot if they need to. Um, you know, I, ideally, he'd like to see them uh, underneath uh, 11 with the potential to add a few more guys, but uh, it seems like they're not worried about that. Uh, let's see. Well, the, the loan affiliates in Michigan and Indy 11, is there a long-term relationship possibility with those? Um, I, yeah, I... I would imagine that possibility exists with, with Indy, but, um, you know, they've got aspirations of, of their own. Uh, I think at some point, and that that's another uh, clear example of why at some point you have to start thinking about your own um, fire-controlled USL affiliate because you don't know if you have long-term uh, viability with these guys. Um, I have a question here for you, Guillermo. Do you, how excited are you for this upcoming season? Because, you know, we talked about the roster on paper. It does look improved. Um, are you excited for this 2019 season? Yeah, I'm always excited for soccer. 
<laughs> I, I think that the team will be better than it was last year. Um, you know, obviously a lot relies reliant on keeping Bastian Schweinsteiger and Dax McCarty healthy, but these are guys that are now, you know, 31, 32, 33 years old. Um, and uh, particularly with Dax, I think uh, the one thing to uh, be worried about is that he didn't play well last year. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, obviously. Oh, we're back. We're back. Yeah, he wasn't that as effective in stretches last year either. So, uh, we're about to uh, 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 just to just to make it clear, everybody, we're about to wrap it up here with Guillermo. We're actually maybe the last 10, 15, 20 minutes, the home stretch here, basically. So, ask your last few questions if you can right now, and and Guillermo, we'll try and rush through this as fast as you can, so you can, so we can all get going here. No worries. Um, but scout a report on Pono. Can Pono be a premier coach? I already asked that, Jake. Okay, well, form, uh, what's his formation? What's his style? What's his tactics we should expect to see? Yeah, that's, uh, we, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Eh? That, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, depending on what they can do with the back line, um, you have to figure that maybe uh, they play a three-man back line with wing backs at this point. I, mean, like, I think we'll, right now we'll see something similar to what we saw in that first game uh, with guys who are a little more attack-minded and uh, Campos and Edwards um, sort of uh, playing that outside role um, because they don't, they don't have anybody else. I, I don't know that the Jorge Corrales is a viable starting left back. Uh, you know, is, is Nico Hassler a starting viable right back? Um, maybe. Um, there are a lot of questions in the back line, so it's, it's hard to say exactly how they're going to play or what formation they're going to play without uh, seeing what Panovic is trotting out there yet. Uh, homegrown's Guillermo. I think we just signed a kid named Andre Reynolds. Yep. Another one, apologize if I butcher it, Jeremiah Gutjar. Yep. Any uh, information on those guys, scouting reports on them? Uh, well, yeah, um, Reynolds is uh, more of a project, obviously, just coming out of high school. He's a um, quick left back. He's uh, not a big guy, but uh, he's kind of your prototypical left back. Um, Gutjar is kind of a utility guy, um, can play different positions in the midfield. I think he's more of a uh, uh, holding midfielder, um, but he can play in uh, different positions. I think uh, Indiana, he may have even played out wide a little bit. But uh, again, more of a utility guy. Uh, did I ask you guys about Memo Ochoa? Yes, you did. Okay, yes. just making sure. Okay, just catching up with the comments. Uh, let's finish up these comments. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll finish. Uh, yeah, that yeah, sounds like a plan. We'll finish up these comments here, and we'll kind of close it down here. Who would you like to see in the fire pursue within MLS? Within MLS? Um, well, yeah, I think there are a couple of questions that yeah, they, you'd like to see filled. Um, you know, rather than an individual player, I think they've got to find – uh, sort of that central playmaker. They've got to get uh, some outside backs, and you know, central playmakers aren't plentiful in MLS, so it's not like you can go out and, you know, trade a draft pick for uh, <laughs> for, for a center playmaker within the league. Uh, if you're going to find one of those, chances are it's, it's going to come with uh, come from outside of the league. And then when you get one, you hold on to them, like uh, over in uh, Columbus, right? That's right. 
That's exactly right. Uh, since the offense gets the, since the front office gets a lot of backlash, have you seen any movement with the front office representatives? Have I seen any movement with front front office representatives? Um. Yeah. I mean, they brought some new people in, but uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what the question is looking for there. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not sure either. Uh, what do the coaching staff see in Collier? Um, <laughs> a big body. <laughs> yes, that's true height. You know, and actually the first first couple of games last year, he didn't do badly. Um, I think as uh, he started to get a little more playing time, started to uh, kind of be exposed as a uh, um, kind of uh, his limits started to be exposed. So, um, yeah, again, another guy who could probably use some uh, developmental time in USL. Um, okay, I got a question here from for you, Guillermo, from the chat. Um, with the signing of use, uh, I think it's Usted. It seems like the the goalkeeper. Oh my God, I'm sorry. Let me restart this. With the signing of Usted, it seems like the goalkeeper deal deal NR mentioned is off, or are they still pursuing another goalkeeper? No, I think uh, Usted is gonna is gonna be their starter. I don't know that they're looking at anybody else right now, but. Uh... Yeah, Usted uh, uh, had a difficult uh, end to his uh, time at Vancouver. Struggled a little bit last year uh, at D.C. until Hamid came back. So he's got to prove himself a little bit. But, uh, again, he's got a resume that would suggest he's a competent MLS goalkeeper. Uh, I know he looked a little bit shaky last year in D.C., but uh, um, uh, Usted it will be a, an improvement over uh, Richard Sanchez, who honestly I thought would be better than he was last year. Uh, Marco Batista, any updates on Free 101 and Sector Latinos Section 8, new SL section, and away supporters section? I am not sure what's going on there. Okay. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? Going to 2020, with Nico apparently on his way out, do you think the Fire tried to develop Herbers or Collier or go for someone else big? Uh, Torres. Well, I don't think either one of those guys is capable of replacing uh, Nikolic um, straight up. I think Herbers would be a decent uh, fill-in player. Uh, Nikolic is on a contract year, so um, he will have some incentive to, um, you know, play himself in, into uh, renewal. Um, but uh, um, strikers who can turn over um, goals at the rate that he does are very hard to find. Um, that's the hardest thing to do in soccer is score, and he has figured out a way to do it, even if he's not particularly flashy. Um, it's going to be difficult to replace uh, that sword production. Any idea about what's happening with uh, Mauricio Pineda? Uh, he's got another year left of uh, college at uh, UNC. So uh, I would imagine that uh, next year they will make an effort to uh, sign Pineda as homegrown. All right. I think Jeffrey had a little ask me anything, and that's pretty much the last bit of it that we'll do here, folks. Uh, just to see. Uh, oh, Merch Bobo wants to know, is he a good boy? <laughs> Merch Bobo is the, the man, or the dog, as, uh, as you would say. He's the dog. Uh, Crystal Ball Time from Joshua. Crystal Ball Time, give the most plausible starting 11, and assuming they stay healthy, where does this team finish this year? I think uh, you saw the most plausible starting 11 yeah. in that first game last mm -hmm. uh, last week. 
uh, if you insert Mihailovic over Bronico and maybe uh, maybe Hassler on the right side, uh, you, you see uh, it's not too hard to in, envision that as uh, the opening day 11. Um, I think if they stay healthy, if uh, Schweinsteiger and McCarty are um, as good as they were in 2017, they're a team that can compete for the playoff spots now that, uh, you know, <laughs> I think they, they continue to add more playoff spots. Uh, but I, I think uh, I think they'll compete. I'm still not uh, uh, particularly sold that it's a surefire playoff team, but uh, I think they will be competitive. I, I don't think they will be as uh, as bad as they were last Wait, year. Wait, did you say that MLS has seven playoff spots now per side? Yeah, that's right. So now a seven teams make the playoffs, and also, also there's a condensed schedule. So isn't that not true too? Yes. Uh, and then we had the polar vortex we had to deal with this last week, and hopefully that doesn't uh, play into too many home games for the fire. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not uh, minus 20 in March when they start. Uh, assuming that Cap and Marcelo are starting center backs, are you concerned that our our back line is sub six foot? Yes, I think that... Uh, and the, slow. Yes, yes, that is an issue. I, I think uh, their inability to... Um, find success on either end of the field on set pieces has uh, been a direct um, is directly correlated to their lack of uh, height in some cases. Um, yeah, I think that is a concern. You've got two center backs who are uh, both under six foot. Um, neither one is uh, particularly fast. And I, I think that's one of the issues why you can't play bench just one tired center back. is just not fast enough anymore to play center back in MLS. So, um, that may be why Rodriguez is still looking for center back. That, oh, and maybe Pano's thinking, you know, if I just score more goals than the other team, I won't have to worry about it. Well, 5-4 five, five, every game will draw some interest. That's for sure. I've watched a ton of Jagielonia videos. Uh, Frankowski seems okay, but not spectacular. I feel that their 10 would have been a better acquisition. What is your take on Frankowski? Is he what the offense needs? Or will pushing Basti forward have more effect? Um... Well, Frankowski's a true winger, which they really haven't had. Even David Okan, when he was playing on the ring, wasn't a true winger. They uh, they haven't had a guy, even Katai outside isn't a true winger. They haven't had a guy who's been a, a true two-way winger for a while. Um, yeah, I, I think having another competent player outside will at least um, hopefully draw Basti a little bit forward. Uh, I, I think... Uh, he should be a good fit in the offense. He'll be able to flip sides with Katai and uh, create some unpredictability there. Uh, we'll see. I, I want to see what uh, a trio of uh, Katai, Frankowski, and Mihailovic looks like behind Nikolic uh, when they uh, get going again here in another week or so. Uh, I think uh, they've got a game on Wednesday, but I don't think uh, Georgie is going to be. I think he's in Spain, but I don't think they expect him to play Wednesday. So. Mm. Yeah, well, what, was, um, uh, what was going on last year with Katai and Panovich when he was kind of in that doghouse? Um, you know, I think it's right when he joined the team. And is Katai and Pano, is their relationship, is it mended or is this a row? And, you know, what's going to happen, you know, going forward this year with that relationship? Yeah, it seems to be okay now. I think he just didn't like the way he was playing defensively with, for good reason. Um uh, Katai, um, I think, uh, got a little bit tired toward the end of last year. I um, see that. You know, he got paid, so uh, he's going to be expected to 
uh, performed like he did uh, uh, towards the middle of last summer when he got them almost single-handedly above the red line. So, um, you know, he's, he's going to have to earn his keep. Do you think he matches up well with Nico, his style of play? Um, well, that, that's kind of um, one of the things that's puzzling and needs to be answered is that, that style of play. I'm not sure that they all match up exactly as good complements to each other, but uh, we'll see. Now they've revamped that a little bit with uh, Frankowski, and we've got to see what his skill set is and how he meshes with the other guys. I, you know, That's why I would still like to see a, uh, a real number 10 in there at some point just to sort of uh, – act as a facilitator with these guys who aren't particularly good at getting the ball to each other. So I, I don't know. We, we'll see. You know, we've got to see how they, uh, how they all play together in birth. All right. Um, when's Ma- uh, Messi Ronaldo coming? Being yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, Guillermo, uh, if you could bring back one former fire player in their prime that would instantly make this team better, who is it? In their prime, uh, well, just because it's easy to say, let's go with uh, Peter Novak or Guatemala uh, Blanco. Oh, I like, I like Blanco. Uh, I thought he's president. I thought he's a mayor down in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, he's, uh, I, I believe he may have. Uh, I think he got booted out. I remember reading an article where he got in some trouble or something. No, I think he's still. I think he's still in office. Okay. Hey. Oh, snap. All right, uh, the last question is from Jiggly. This is the last question of the stream. Uh, by the way, Jiggly, uh, he asked if we're too good for him. Now, no, absolutely not. We'll have Jiggly on again, of course. But odds on a complete sale this season, he, he's wondering. What's the possibility of a five-man back line? We kind of talked about that, uh, that we think it's a good possibility. If not Nelson, who do you think would take the GM in Chicago? The GM job in Chicago if it suddenly became av- available? I'll shout out Winalda. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I, the sale's not going to happen. I don't think Winalda's going to be a GM. Uh, and not, not with this organization, at least. Um, five-man back line is, is definitely possible, given uh, their personnel and the lack of depth uh, right now uh, along that back line. Um, we'll see. I, I think Nelson has acknowledged that uh, uh, if, uh, if they don't win, that uh, he's going to be on the hot seat. And... Uh, he will be the first guy that uh, occup- to occupy the hot seat if they have another bad year. Oh, uh, you think and Pano? You think Pano's on the hot seat? Well, they, uh, I mean Nelson and Pano. Yeah, uh, their fates are sort of tied together mm-hmm. um, as uh, as a tandem. And now, uh, now that they're back uh, with uh, you know, matching um, contract lengths, and the pressure's on. All right. Um, I got I got to get going here, guys. Camera, I just want to say thank you for everything uh, coming on the show, and um, just thank you for all your writing and what you're doing on the athletic. Like James says, uh, it is so worth the subscription. Uh, not only reading what you put, but what everyone on the athletic puts on there. So just thank you so much for coming on, and this has been a blast. Yeah, thank you guys. Anytime was fun. It was a blast, Guillermo. Uh, uh, Jiggly needs to know most underrated rapper in Chicago. <laughs> You know, uh, I'm I'm more of an old school uh, rap fan. I'm not a big fan of the new wave of the rap guys. So, uh, um, yeah, under underrated rappers as part of this new wave, I'm not a fan of any. <laughs> Take uh, that, Jiggly. 
Well, uh, all right, everybody, boys and girls, thanks uh, for joining us on this uh, live edition of, of this usual live edition of uh, Spitting Fire podcast, With uh, this time with Guillermo. Smash that like button to uh, show some appreciation for Guillermo taking the time to come on. Hopefully, we can get him on again here in the future uh, as the season goes on. It's going to be a long season. Um, so, yeah, that's about it for us, fired up footballers, and we'll see you guys later. Uh, Guillermo, I guess, real quick, last thoughts. Fired up footballers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys and girls, you heard it here. We'll see you guys later. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Guillermo. All right, guys. Adios. Adios. Good night, guys.